I guess I'm live. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to read from um, this book that I picked up um, called The Promise of a New Day, a book of daily meditations. And I picked this up at um, when I was living in D.C. And the public libraries would have this sale, which um, exists in other places as well, I know, um, called the Friends of the Library. And they collect um, used books. They collect books from people who have, um, you know, given away what they no longer need. And they use this money to support um, activities in the library. So I was attending one of these sales one day. It was an outdoor sale. and. I came across this little book. It's a, it's a small book, if you could see it. Um, it's probably like the size of my hand. And it has um, a burgundy, kind of maroon, reddish background in the middle. It has a white square. And in that white square, we have what seems to be a woman, a feminine figure, with her arms raised. And she's facing the moon, and there's kind of this night sky. The moon is the biggest thing in the photo, but there's kind of this night sky. There's a couple dotted stars. She's wearing this robe that's blowing in the wind behind her. And then right under her, there's the grass also kind of blowing in the wind, and there's some clouds. And again, the title of this book is The Promise of a New Day. This is a book of daily meditations. And when I pick up this book, the first time I picked up this book, even, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying because, in a sense, you do have to judge a book by its cover. Um, there's a feeling that all the characteristics of a book, when you put those things together, they, they give you a feeling. And that feeling is kind of what guides the reading, the intention. Um, yeah, and so I want to describe that, you know. Um, I picked up this book because it's a tiny little book. There's something about small books that I love, like small journals, small books, things that can fit in a bag, things that can fit in a tote, your pocket. Um, not my pockets because, um, you know, our pants don't have pockets like that. But, you know, fit in a tote, fit in a bag that you can just throw in. It's lightweight. You can take it. You can pick it up anywhere, um, and that, this book gave me that feeling. It, you know, the way that she has, the, the woman on the cover has her arms raised, the way it's called The Promise of a New Day, when I pick up this book, when I see this book, I feel like there is the promise of a new day, and I think the promise of a new day is that there's a renewed sense of hope that comes with each day, that each day we can start over, and each moment we can try again, and again, and again, and again, and we can forgive ourselves over and over, and start over, and over, and over, um, and I really like this book. It's a book of daily meditations, as I mentioned. There's an entry for each, um, day of the year here, and somehow this book, maybe it is me, um, you know, maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe this is my confirmation bias, 
But every time I pick up this book, it never ceases to amaze me that it tells me something I need to hear. I think there's maybe been one time where I picked it up and I read it and I was like, no, nah, I'm not feeling this. Um, but other than that, like, it, you know, it, it's always giving me something that I need to hear, that I need to talk about. It sparks something in me and I want to share that something here um, today and maybe, maybe in the future as well. Um, so without further ado, January 8th, it is January 8th, 2024. Here's the entry. It starts with a quote. All writers are vain, selfish, and lazy, and at the very bottom of their motives, there lies a mystery. George Orwell. For the most part, we receive too much information. We're bombarded with print, sound, images. Many of us cultivate a healthy skepticism. We wonder the source, or we consider the source. What does this person, this agency, this network, this advertiser, or this elected official stand to gain from telling me this information? But we cannot doubt everything. Humans need to believe in something, even something wildly implausible on the face of it. Thus, cults and causes abound. In this age of widespread corruption and cynicism, faith also is widespread. Faith is healthy. It is an affirmation of human worth and continuity. Fortunate are those of us who have both strong faith and good judgment. Belief in the essential goodness of our fellows and in the basic rightness of our world can renew our vitality and remind us to treat others with the respect due their humanity. In turn, others will respect our belief in them. Sometimes faith is betrayed. Sometimes we stumble. But the delusions or mistakes of others need not sour us. They are part of the mystery. And here's an affirmation for today. I will believe in my own capacity for goodness, and all will be well. Where do I even begin? Now, I love this because it's talking, it begins with just the quote. Let's start with the quote. All the writers, all writers are vain, selfish, and lazy, and at the very bottom of their motives, there lies a mystery. This is a quote from George Orwell, who you probably know wrote 1984, um, the probably most classic dystopian novel that we read, and probably that a lot of us are first exposed to, and maybe the only one we're ever exposed to. Um, all writers are vain, I think. There, there's this sense of, um, but you have to be. You have to be vain, and maybe that's the wrong word, but you have to be vain, let's use that word here, in order to feel that you need to write down your thoughts and write down what you have to say and kind of put that out into the world. Um, that your thoughts are important enough to be given this kind of a solid form and to be, you know, read by others. Um, he says, all writers are also selfish and lazy. <laughs> Boy, that hit. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think I have this idea of myself as a writer where I am, you know, productive and I wake up every, I wake up early in the morning and I'm going to sit at my desk and I'm going to write and 
I'm going to just put stuff into the world and I'm going to inspire people. And, you know, that's such a great ideal. That sounds wonderful. Uh, but that is not the reality of the situation. Lately, my, um, you know, lately I've been struggling to get out of bed. I feel tired. It's cold. I don't want to, I don't want to move. I don't want to go to my cold desk. I don't want to sit there and write. Every time I like formally go into this like sitting and writing process and I think I'm going to give myself a long period of time to sit there and write, I'm actually just um, not writing anything. <laughs> I open the computer, I open my journal and it's like nothing is there yet every other time when I'm writing or when I'm like just doing something else, that's when I think of the best writing, right? Um, so yeah, selfish, lazy. Um, I think about myself a lot. I think about my experience, the way that I perceive the world a lot. That's kind of everything that runs through my head. Um, and I'm lazy about it. I take notes on the fly. Like, I don't want to sit down and write. I exhaust myself. I self-sabotage. Um, all of that. Um, and at the very bottom of their motives, there lies a mystery, he says, George Orwell. Um, yeah, there, there is a mystery. Um, my motive, you know, what I say out loud, what I'm going to, you know, what I believe and what I believe is guiding me is this idea that I want to connect with others. I want to connect with other writers and readers and I want to inspire people to read and to learn and to find joy in that, in discovering their own truth. And that is true. That That is true. But what I like here is that George says at the very bottom of their motives, there lies a mystery because that's not always the whole truth. There is certainly a part of me that, you know, I, I sometimes question my own motives. I think sometimes I do want the vanity. I do want the, I want, I want the recognition. I want to be heard. I want to be seen. Um, and there, there is, there is that selfishness and that vanity to that. And in that way, I am vain. Uh, so I love this quote. I, I will honor it and I'll take it. It's true. Um, so then the entry goes on to say, for the most part, we receive too much information. We're bombarded with print, sound, images. Let's, let's stop there. So we do. <laughs> in this age, um, we are in what's called information overload. There's always something to be looking at, to be listening to, um, to be scrolling in. You know, I'm, I'm not saying anything new here. Um, we are in an age of information overload. And that is kind of a scary thing. It becomes a problem when you don't have the will, um, maybe the knowledge, maybe the, you know, just the capacity to discern what it is that you need to ingest, what, it, what information do you need to take and process and think about versus what can you leave behind. It, it's becoming more and more difficult. The lines between those categories are becoming more and more blurred. And a lot of times we are losing our free will and our capacity to make that decision because with the constant overload and it constantly being put into your face and in your ears and just shoved down your throat, there, where is the space? Where is the space to decide what 
that, you know, what, what it's going to look like for you. Where's the space to have that discernment and have that, you know, have that capacity to pause and say, yeah, like, I'll take this in or no, I, I think I'll leave that behind. I don't want to overload myself. The line is getting blurred. Um, it goes on to say, many of us cultivate a healthy skepticism. We consider the source. What does this person, this agency, this network, this advertiser, or this elected official stand to gain from telling me this information? Now, here it says, many of us cultivate a healthy skepticism. I think that that is actually, I think it's true and false. I think, I think we are skeptical people. I think people are more and more skeptical. It's becoming more and more difficult to trust the news, to trust, um, you know, what we're seeing on social media, because I think we're, you know, we, we have the knowledge that these agencies, these media sources, whether it's a social media site, whether it's like the news, we, we have the knowledge that a lot of what they are posting and a lot of what's being shared and a lot of what's circulating around there for our ingestion is, you know, it, it's, it's things that are stealing our attention in order to generate ad revenue. They are things that are not trying to help us be better people. They don't care about us, right? Like, it's not about being a better person. It's not about um, cultivating a new skill. Um, those are the things at the, at the front, right? Like, that's kind of the illusion that this is what this is for. But in order to do that, you need to, you know, in order to get this benefit, you need to subscribe. You need to um, pay this monthly fee. You need to look at um, a 10-minute ad. Um, you know, so, so at the end of it, going back to that, that quote of George Orwell, the motives um, are a mystery. I'm not going to say it's entirely one thing or another, but there is, there is something to be skeptical about and there's something to question. So I think we do have this understanding. I think a lot of people are coming to that understanding. Um, but at the same time, what I mentioned earlier, there's just not enough time to pause and to take that break and to reflect on that before um, or as you're going through the process of ingesting the information, because as soon as you take in one thing, you're already scrolling on to the next. So where is the gap? And, and, and when I, I say you, but this is me also, um, it's very easy. Um, as someone who thinks about information and how we take in information, and I think about research and how do we research and who do we trust, that is my job as a librarian. I myself fall under these essentially traps, you know, I, I do too. So it's very difficult. If it's difficult for me, I can, you know, imagine that it's very difficult for just the average person. Um, you know, maybe, maybe even, especially those people who, um, you know, I don't even know what the average person is, right? Like, what am I saying when I say that? Am I talking about the average college graduate? Like even my college students that I work with struggle with this. Um, so maybe someone in high school, maybe someone who didn't finish high school, maybe they're having an even harder time. I don't think these skills are being taught at all. And so at that point, we're just open to being, you know, conditioned. Um, and that, that is scary. That is scary. It goes on to say, we cannot, but we cannot doubt everything. Humans need to believe in something, even something wildly implausible on the face of it. Thus, cults and causes abound. In this age of widespread corruption and cynicism, faith also is widespread. I think this is such an important 
this is such an important thing to remember. Um, we can't doubt everything. We absolutely cannot doubt everything. We need something to believe in and something to motivate us to keep going. Um, when we are in a constant state of skepticism as well, we are confusing ourselves because then we don't know what it is that you know if, it, if it's like it's if it's not this if it's if this reality cannot be trusted then what am i going to believe in what am i going to act upon what are my choices going to be based off of right um and so in that case we cannot doubt everything we we need to have some sort of discernment we need to have the skills to decide we need to have a faith a practice something to guide our actions guide our thoughts guide our decisions um and that is why the cults and causes abound right like everyone thinks um that they have the right idea that hey follow my method believe what i believe and this is going to take you the right way this is going to be your answer this is going to i'm going to be the source um and it's so easy to fall into those things when you don't have the skill of discernment when you don't have the luxury these days of just time to reflect and time to pause um you 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 get into the cults you get into these causes you sign up for you know whatever the next thing is and you don't think twice about it it's just someone's offering this thing they're taking away the work that i have to do to think about it i'm just gonna do it because everyone else is doing it or because a billionaire told me to um, or because the internet told me to. Um, and it's a very subconscious thing. We, we, you know, it, it, the way that it gets into your mind, it makes you think that it's you making the decision, which that, that's the ultimate, like, propaganda, right? That's the ultimate, um, that's the ultimate way <laughs> to, that people are drawn to these things and that these leaders in the past, um, you know, draw people in. Uh, these leaders today, these corporations today, th that's how they draw people in, by making you think that it's your idea, you are the one who has decided to do this. But guess what? There's another side to the whole thing. There are other options, there are other choices um, that we can make. There are other options, and we'll never be exposed to those options unless we have the capacity to be present and to reflect and to um, take the pause. Um, faith is healthy. It is an affirmation of human worth and continuity. Fortunate are those of us who have both strong faith and good judgment. So key. Fortunate are those of us who have both strong faith and good judgment. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to have strong faith. Speaking for myself, it's hard for me to have good judgment sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I have one over the other. Most of the time it's the judgment <laughs> rather than anything else. A lot of times it's, um, sometimes it swings back though. Sometimes it is, it's the faith that I have. The faith in, um, whether it's a higher source, myself, my intelligence, my emotions, my, my emotions, boy. Um, yeah, fortunate are those of us who have <laughs> both strong faith and good judgment. Belief in the essential goodness of our fellows and in the basic right rightness of our world can renew our vitality and remind us to treat others with the respect due their humanity. In turn, others will respect our belief in them. Yeah, when we believe in 
when we believe and we're able to see that people are essentially good, it restores our faith in life. It restores our faith in humanity. It restores our faith in, you know, whatever we are here doing um, every day. Um, and in us having that faith in others, others can have that faith in us. It goes both ways. Sometimes faith is betrayed. Sometimes we stumble. But the delusions or mistakes of others need not sour us. They are part of the mystery. Yeah, sometimes faith is betrayed. Sometimes we have this idea and it doesn't work out. We had faith in it. And so we, you know, we lose, we, we, we throw away, what's the, the saying? We throw the baby away with the bathwater, whatever the saying is. Um, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> don't throw out the baby. Save the baby, okay? Save your faith. Save your capacity for good judgment. It's part of the mystery. It's part of um, getting to the answers is, is the questions, the mistake, the, the, the stumbling, the fucking up. Like, that's all a part of it. If you don't fuck up, how are you going to know that you did the right thing? Because the thing is, is that when you have the, when you have the faith, that's guiding you to move through that action and then that action ends up not being the right one. You didn't know that at the time that you were taking the action. You thought based on your faith, based on the judgment, based on what you knew at that time, you thought that that was the right way to go. And it was with what you knew. And so when it turns out that that was wrong or, you know, it wasn't necess- it didn't give, give you the best outcome that you were hoping for, that you wanted, or that you expected, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, at the core, are, um, you know, are wrong or are not good, or that that idea at its core was wrong or not good. Um, it just simply means that there were other circumstances at play that were out of your control. It means that... Um, there was other knowledge there that you were not aware of that led things to go down another timeline, go down another direction, that led to a different consequence, that led to something apart from your expectation. And that in itself is very humbling because it goes to show, you know, we, we have to have faith in the universe's kind of flow too. Like where we have our efforts, we have our intentions when we put something out, we have our ideas of how we want it to go, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to go that way. I think this is something that Rick Rubin talks about. I think this is something that a lot of creatives just talk about in general, um, that when you have an idea, when you have this art, when you have something that you're writing or creating, when you put it out into the world, what happens next is not, that's not for you. Like, that's not under your control. That's not what is going to serve you. You can't, you have no say. You have no say over that. Do you pay attention to it? Sure. Do you, can you avoid it? Sure. But either way, you don't have control over that. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility was taking this thing, channeling it, alchemizing it, taking these ideas, um, turning them, creating with them, and just releasing the product, whatever that looks like in its final form, into the world. What happens after that is no longer your... It's, it's not on you. Um... And in that in that process, sometimes our faith is betrayed. Sometimes we do stumble. We have we think we're we were delusional. We think we make mistakes. But all of these things are essential to the process. All of these things are essential to learning. How can you learn anything when you do not make a mistake? 
And I think it's, you know, where we're so conditioned to be fearful of our mistakes and we're so conditioned to be ashamed and to punish ourselves when we're making these mistakes. But actually, I think we should be the most proud when we are making the mistakes because that is showing that, hey, you've learned something. You have changed your mind. You have changed the way your brain will perceive this thing. Skeptical we should be of the people who are just successful and who have yes men all around them who aren't given the chance to fail. Um, skeptical we should be of those people, I think. Um, if you're getting everything right all the time and your ideas are just perfect all the time, are you, like, have you really learned anything? Have you really, you know, what kind of person are you that you're not open to change and to changing your mind and to thinking? I'm skeptical of that person. I admire the people who are open to that failure and that willingness to change, to change their minds, to do something different next time, to be creative, you know? I feel like that's lacking sometimes when we're just looking for the successes. So I love this affirmation, um, and I'm going to repeat it. I will believe in my own capacity for goodness and all will be well. I will believe in my own capacity for goodness, and all will be well. If I am believing in my own capacity, and I have faith in my own creativity, in my own mistakes, my own mystery that is unfolding, all will be well. I need not stress about the failure. I need not worry about stumbling. I need not have expectation. As long as I am doing what I need to do and channeling my creativity, channeling my emotions, my thoughts, my the way that I think, you know, as long as I am doing what I can do on my end, I do not need to worry about the outcome. All will be well. And it's not that all will be well in terms of like some sort of material response or consequence or you know response from the earth it's all will be well in in within me all will be well within my mind and within my heart and that is what's going to guide me and motivate me to have the courage to make mistakes and to try things and and so on and so forth um i think that you know believing in our own goodness believing in the goodness of others coming together in community is what guides those things. Um, and so a theme that comes back, a theme that came back a lot while I was just talking and reading through this promise of a new day entry is, you know, slowing down. I mentioned so many times how a lot of us don't get the luxury or the, um, the ability to just reflect, to pause to pause, right? Because we live in a world, you know, in this country, but also it's happening all over the world now, everywhere, of, you know, consumerism and, you know, just this capitalist construct of you always have to be doing something and being productive and go, go, go and, you know, make money and we have to be fast, we have to create content, you have to create content daily, and you have to always be updating your social media, and you have to do this and that, like, 
you have to, um, you know, even where I work, like as a librarian, right? Like we have to come up with the next program, come up with the next thing. Like there's always the next thing. We are so conditioned to be chasing that next thing. But in chasing that next thing, in chasing that next like revolution, that next piece of technology, whatever thing, the next thing is that you're chasing, you're losing you're you're forfeiting you're giving up that space you're giving up the pause you're giving up the capacity to reflect and to incorporate other ideas into the mix to think about you know ethics for example um i when i when i say that i'm thinking about you know the artificial intelligence um movement and kind of everything that's happening there we're fearful because it's developing faster and faster and faster but we're not taking ethics into account. That's why it's fearful. It's not it's not so scary that it's developing fast. Sure, like it's fine that it's or that it's developing at all. Like it's great that it's developing, I think. It's we can use this in really powerful ways that will benefit humanity, I believe. But because we 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 aren't getting the chance to pause and take ethics into account, to take um, you know, wellness into account, of course it could go into the wrong hands. Of course, it could fall into, um, you know, scary patterns and scary, like, uses. Of course. And it's a shame that it's, you know, it's a luxury to be able to, to do the pause and to, to reflect, to meditate. It's a shame. But this is something that can change. This is something that I think we have the power to decide for ourselves. And again, this is something that I as a librarian think about. This is something that it's important for me to think about um, because it determines how we consume information. It determines what we think is important. It determines what we think is right and correct and what is valid and what is not what gets published in the journals what doesn't what is gonna what is the consumer what is the general public going to read what are the universities and the professors going to have access to what are we going to be operating off of that is our truth what is the truth that that's what i think about and it's so important i re- i recognize the importance of having that pause and having that capacity to sit and discern and and think about these things. And it's a shame to me that that is something that in our modern world, we're not given, we're not, we don't have the, we don't have the capacity to do that. And and it's not our fault, but we can change that. We can slow down. We can, um, we can decide that we want, we want to slow down. You know, we can, we control the work that is being done when you look at the government, when you look at these big institutions, they're really, you know, it's people who it's people who are running these things. And we as people, first individually and then collectively, as part of communities, we can decide to slow things down. We can decide to focus on our wellness. We can stop and ponder about ethics. And the moment that we start it, I really think it would be, you know, a snowball effect of, or a domino effect, whatever, that once it starts, like, we'll see the benefits and we'll keep going. To me, the the benefits that come from slowing down outweigh the material benefits of just making more money. Because at the end of the day, who's making that money now? It's not us, right? Like, it's, it's the people 
who are at the top of these corporations, the people in government, like they are the ones gaining power, gaining money, gaining advantages. We are not. So I think we as people need to just slow the fuck down. Um, slow down, take ethics into account, and demand that these organizations, these institutions, slow down too. I think that slowing down is essential to whatever movement is about to come next, whether it's with technology or the way our institutions are changing, the way um, the medical world is changing, the way our government is changing, the way corporations are changing, the way our attention is, um, the way our attention is captured, the way that we receive information, the way we consume information, the way that, you know, our policy is created. This is going to determine everything. We are at such a pivotal period and it is our job to decide what happens next. And I think with slowing down, with taking the pause, with meditating, with thinking about wellness, with thinking about my wellness, with me thinking about your wellness, with you thinking about your neighbor's wellness, that is how we get out of this. That is how we get through this. We can't, we cannot rely on anything outside of ourselves to, to you know, guide us through these times. Um, but in order to have faith in ourselves and in order to have that discernment within ourselves, we have to train ourselves, right? We have to train ourselves to, um, we have to train ourselves to take the pause. We have to train ourselves to slow down too. We're so conditioned, again, to be, to be go, go, go. We have to, it takes effort to slow down, actually. It's easy to keep going. It's easy to keep chasing those dopamine hits. It takes effort to slow down and it takes effort to pause and reflect. It takes effort to uncondition yourself and to learn something new and to do it in a genuine and authentic way that to where it becomes a part of life and becomes a part of your daily, you know, your being. It it takes a while. It takes effort to integrate something, to make it a part of your being. Um, But it's possible. It is possible. And I think I think that that's what I want to talk about. I think that's what I want to help people with. It it brings me joy to sit down with people, whether it's at work, whether it's just in conversation, to get people to think differently. Um, oftentimes, I'm I'm I you know I've been asked whether it's a job interview or like a conversation or like a talk I've given. Do you think it was a success? And um, my way of judging whether it was a success or not is not by the claps I got, if I got the job. Like, those aren't the things that help me decide. What helps me decide if it was a, is a success is if someone left that conversation, if someone left that interview thinking differently, if someone was able to change their mind, then yes, it was successful. Then I did what I had to do. And whether that was a whole audience of people, whether that was 10 people, 5 people, 1 person, barely one person like if it just made like a kid kind of just pay attention for a second and i altered their consciousness a little bit then it was a success and i did what i had to do um and that that's what makes me happy and i think that is what we all have the capacity to learn and i think now more than ever it's essential that we do learn it it's essential that we look into ourselves and establish that I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to consider ethics. I'm going to consider my feelings. I'm going to consider um, the good of myself, my family, my neighbor, my community. 
this that I think I really think that that is our responsibility as people of you know of the communities that we're in of the nation that we're in of you know the homes that we're in the families that we have we're responsible for that we're responsible for teaching our next generation how to do that um to delay gratification to um you know to give ourselves the space to not fall into just the chemicals of our body and the dopamine hits all the time it's our responsibility i really think it's my responsibility um and that is what i want this podcast to be about that's what i want i want to share with the world and that's what um i'm here to do and it starts simply let me let me say okay like let me give you some solutions you don't have to go out and change the world you don't have to start meditating for 30 minutes a day. You don't have to you don't have to do that. If you want to meditate, that's great. If you want to pray, that's great. Um there are two things we can do actually, too. One of them is uh focusing on our breath, which I'll get to in a second. But the other is is just picking up a book. Books are so accessible. Books are available to the public. Books are available for free in our public library. They um we can find books online, we can find articles online, we can we have access to books everywhere and we've had access to books for thousands of years these are what you know this books are where knowledge is presented it is where it is how knowledge is shared and no matter what the book is again right like you don't have to pick up a book on meditation you don't have to pick up a book about ai i'm not saying that just pick up any book pick up a book that sparks your interest it could be a book um like the promise of a new day it could be a fiction series it could be haruki murakami it could be ayn rand whatever it is i don't care what the what the philosophy is what the thought is if it's kant if it's nietzsche i don't i don't care just pick up a book um and let it change your mind let it change your mind let it slow you down let it get you off of your phone let it create an image in your head let it bring out your creativity, your own thought processes, mark up the pages, um, write notes, um, pick up a book. And if you pick up the right book, if you pick up the book that's going to help you, um, that you're going to get through, that you want to finish, that you're excited about reading, I think a whole world can come to life. Many worlds can come to life. I worked at um, Barnes & Noble. That was kind of my first I guess official job that I had was being a bookseller at Barnes and Noble um, when I was like in my early twenties, and it completely changed the trajectory of my life. Just being surrounded by different types of knowledge and different books and covers and titles that caught my interest, and just cracking them open, reading a couple pages, or just reading the premise, like totally expanded my worldview. And I life would be totally different had I not had that job, had I not opened up those books. Um, you know, I grew up an avid reader as a kid, but of course I lost touch, you know, going into college, um, high school and college, just, you know, reading textbooks, being told what to do, having the phone in my freaking hand all the time. Like I lost touch with it. And then when I worked at that bookstore, it really made me find my love for reading again. And I found the books that resonated with me. And from, you know, from finding one, I found the next and then the next and the next. And I started exploring different genres and um, you know, discovering books that were out there that, you know, can just say, you know, put into words and put into material form, like, thoughts and feelings that I had internally that I never, like, 
externalized or like solidified in any way that I didn't know it was possible to like, oh, that's how you would say that? Like, that's what you, that's what that would be called. Um, books have the capacity to do that. And it's incredible. And I, I just, I, it's a shame to me that people don't read as much these days. Um, I think that we need to get back to reading. The other thing that I mentioned, the breath. Again, this is accessible to every person. If you are alive, this is accessible to you. Breathing. Tuning into the breath. Again, you do not have to sit down and do a formal 30-minute meditation. If you do, that's wonderful. But if you're just starting, if you have no idea what, you know, you hear the word meditation, you're like, oh, that's not going to work for me. I don't know what that's about. That's fine. But all of us have access to our breath. All of us have the capacity to tune into that and just see what happens. Whether that means you think about, like you're focused on it for one breath and then your mind starts wandering, that's fine. That's fine. See if you can return to it. See if you can keep returning to that breath. From the day that we are born to the day that we die, we only have the breath. The breath is what is with us constantly. The breath is is our only constant companion. And so tune into that. Tune into that source of life. What is it offering you? Just, you know, ponder that. When, you, when your mind drifts, come back to it. That's all you have to do. Whether you want to call that meditation, whether you want to call that prayer, whether you do that while you're running, whether you do that while you're drawing or writing, whatever. Just tune into that. Tune into the breath. Tune into the breath. Pick up a book. Um, that's really what, I, what my point is here. Um, and that, that's what I want to share with the world. It may not be much. It might be super simple. But that, that's what I have to offer. I'm not, I don't want to sell anything. I don't want to um, convince you of anything. I think experiential learning, what, like direct experience is the best way to learn. And my direct experience is that reading and paying attention to my breath completely changed my life and completely made me the person that I am today. And I have no idea. And I have don't care to know who I would be without those things. I think those, you know, those elements are key in my being um, in this life. And I think that those are the elements that are key in the progress of us as human beings. You know, we live in this age of information. We live in a time where we can, we, we have all the access, right? So. It's, it's on us now to take the information, to do something about it, and to make a change in our world. What's the point of all the information if it's just going to keep us stuck in our same circles, in our same cycles? It's our responsibility. Um, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. With the power that we have with technology, with AI, with just all the information that isn't in the palm of our hands, we, we do have a responsibility for that. Um, and I think we can all kind of take that pledge within ourselves to take that responsibility. And again, it's always going to be different. We're going to stumble. We're going to make mistakes. But if we're leading with that in mind, I think we can get to some really great places. I think we can really come together as communities and we can really heal ourselves, heal our neighbors, heal our, heal, just heal ourselves, you know, heal, us, heal, heal ourselves individually. 
And then we can go on to heal others. We can fill our own cups and pour into others too. And then we can pour into the places we live and we can pour, you know, it's all, it's a ripple effect. But it starts internally. And I think some great ways to unlock this, you know, it could be, you know, and again, it's, it's about figuring out what works for you. Some people, you know, it's going to the gym. Some people, it's running, it's writing, it's creating art. But I think what's accessible to everyone, you know, you might say, well, I'm, I don't want to run. I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to get up every day and run. Yeah, it is. I fucking hate running. It's hard to, um, it's hard to do a lot of things. It's hard to develop a routine. It's hard to meditate every day. It's, it's hard. I don't want to fucking do it. I'm tired. Like, I'm just, I'm a human being too. I'm guided, I'm led by my emotions. Yes, logically, I know that I can set up this routine and this discipline is going to be good for me. And I'm going to get up and meditate. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to do some strength training. I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to have some tea. I'm going to eat healthy. Yes, that all sounds great, theoretically. But (laughs) realistically, it's not possible. So for me, I go to what is accessible to everyone, right? Whatever body you're in, whatever, you know, there's something in books and there's something in the breath that is accessible to everyone. There's a book out there for every human being and the breath is with every human being who's alive. So that is where you start. Start with exactly where you are at. You don't have to go outside of yourself. Start with what is going on right now. So I want to end with just a quick meditation, a quick practice, just to kind of start channeling into that feeling, to start focusing on the breath. Close your eyes if it feels comfortable. Sit comfortably, sit upright, and tune into the breath. Don't try to alter it in any way. You don't have to breathe deeply. Just tune into what's going on right now. You might feel the gentle inhale and exhale through your nose. Maybe it's brushing your upper lip. And when your mind wanders, just think about the breath again. What does it feel like? Tune into the feeling in your hand. Can you feel the sensation of your hand, of what it feels like to have a hand? Your index finger, your middle finger, your ring finger, your pinky finger, your thumb, your palm. And when your mind wanders, return to the breath. Just return. It's all in the return.
So we can do this practice whenever we feel inspired. See what's at the core of that and just see what happens. Let it guide you. Try it, try it out. Um, I think that's where I'll end for today. So yeah, thank you for listening. Um, I'll be around. Um, we'll be around. Thank you.